You know, just write down in your worship guide somewhere today, starting means lasting change, significant transformation that Christ does in your life. All right, number one, you ready? Start, are you ready? Start memorizing Scripture. Guys, I've been a Christ follower for 39 years. I've memorized a lot of the Scripture over the years. I've read a lot of Scripture. I've studied a lot of Scripture. Went to seminary. Y'all know who's impressed, okay? But here's what I want to tell you. I've been weak in my spiritual discipline of memorization. Yeah, I have a lot of word in me, and I can start and, or finish it or have the end of it and start it and all that. And, and, but there's a lot that I don't know, and I know paraphrases. I know part of it. And then you have all the translations. So sometimes you're like, well, I think he knows it, and that's probably a, the key translation, okay? But you know what I started this week? And I've been convicted about this for a while, but the Lord just started speaking to me. I want you, Keith, as their pastor, I want you to begin to meditate and memorize more Scripture again. So on my prayer walk, I got my little thing, and I'm memorizing Scripture. I'm probably going to run into some bushes. I'm probably going to come in here one day, cut up in my head, and go, oh, pastor, you got a boo-boo. But I decided it's time for me. I'm just trying to be transparent. How many of you think you would benefit if you began to memorize Scripture? Just raise your hands. Everybody's capable. I actually think the young people do it better than the older. And the church said, well, yeah, they got a young mind. But we need to memorize Scripture. So I'm beginning to meditate and chew on Scripture. And that's the great thing is you're walking or whatever, wherever you find it, it's on your mirror. Now, be careful about it if it's in your rearview mirror, okay? I mean, you're already distracted with your phone. So anyway, here it is. Let me just give you some verses. Psalm 119.11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist knew that he needed God's word. Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it both day and night so that you would be careful to do everything written in it. And then, and only then, will you be prosperous and successful. So God... Builds all kind of cases through his word that you should hide my word, my precepts, my commands in your heart. Guys, I'm really excited because I'm kind of going public today about this. I want you to hold me accountable, but I want you to hold each other accountable for memorizing scripture. I've been uh, just meditating on some certain, because I read scripture a lot and I meditate on sections for the weekend and small groups and all these devotionals and all these things I do. I said, God, I just really need to just get some verses that I don't know and just go over and over and over and chew on it because, God, I think it'll change my life. So some of you are saying, well, Keith, I'm going to start memorizing chapters of the Bible. I go, have at it and read and study and think about that and see what God could do. If, if everybody here just started thinking, I'm going to start memorizing a verse a week or a verse a month or a chapter this year or whatever it is that God gives you. But you just begin to look at number two. Now, I want to say this to you, because I did this as a youth pastor. I've done it as a senior pastor, and we used to really do a good job around here. And we've gotten really lack, lax, slack, and God's really been speaking to my heart. So I want to challenge you right now. We're a mission-minded church carrying the gospel to Montgomery, fulfilling the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. And we have partners in these flags all over the world. And we've done trips all over the world. But in the last couple of years, I don't know what's happened We've slowed up. All I'm saying is, I want you to prayerfully begin to talk to the Father about short-term mission trips. I want to see our church back unleashed on mission trips all over the country and all over the world this year. And the church said, 
We can do it, church. Your church, we even set aside money that we can even help subsidize to a point. It's still going to require you to invest and to get partners and to believe but to carry the gospel. And I'm like, God, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And guys, right now we're working on an opportunity just uh, north of here in Birmingham with a church out of Indiana. But then we've done so much in Guatemala and Mexico and Brazil and other countries. But just let me know if you're interested in missions. We'll begin to, uh, and they probably won't be these big teams that we've done. I'd love to see us get a lot of smaller teams just touching the globe for Christ, having stories. Yesterday, I didn't get to go, but I had, a, I had an old friend that had died. But one of my former friends, former i mean we're still friends he preached here when he came up here on this stage with a paper sack his bible hidden in it his name's toby miller he's come back now from china from hong kong and he he preached a funeral yesterday for uh for phil easter and he and he gave the word of christ and i thought about that's one guy that you know that has given his life away to missions and how god's used him in a powerful way and because of some health issues 20 something years later they've had to come back off the mission field and we're asking you maybe we have missionaries out on the field full time but maybe god's calling you to be a short-term missionary maybe this year we're going to have another team that's going to go down to mexico we've done so many down in the ensenada area adam welcomes that him and melissa and any church can do missions do you believe that church any size church can do missions and we can make an impact for christ let me give you some things just to write down if you want to hear how missions changes your life it gives you a worldview a world perspective of how big the world is and how great god is and how he has a heart for all people your narcissism is revealed your selfishness is so brought to the surface when you serve people that don't have what you have third you learn how to minister effectively materialism oh my goodness it gets revealed because we see how much we have as westerners and how much we complain if we're not careful one of the greatest ones it connects us so much deeper to jesus one of the things that i'm sad about missions today versus all the years that i've done missions is that we have cell phones i love cell phones but it used to be when you went on a mission trip you had no contact back home now when we go on mission trips if you're not careful there's a kid on the house who are you talking to? I'm talking to my mama. She wanted to tell me what she was having for lunch. And I'm thinking, I don't care what your mama's having for lunch. Stop. Disconnect. Unplug. So mission trips will help you to begin to do that and see God's heart. Look at the third one. Start pursuing spiritual gifts. It's one of the things that the Apostle Paul begins to talk to us there in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Ephesians 4, all through the scripture, God talks about spiritual gifts. I have preached here series and preached about spiritual gifts, and every believer has gift, a gift. I think you have a gift mix, and when all our gifts are employed together, when they're all deployed out of a body, a body is effective. It's a contagious witness for Christ. How many people believe that today? And I think the Christian community is suffering because we're not operating in our spiritual gifts. Now, we have uh, instruments, instruments that you can take to help you discover your spiritual gifts. And they're pretty good. Some of them are better than others. We've done it in small groups. I've done it from the platform. We've done all kinds of stuff. But let me tell you the best way to discover spiritual gifts. Listen, this is profound. Start doing something. And somebody will tell you, they're like, dude, you stink at that. That is not your gift. But then they see something in you that they affirm. They witness the power of Christ, the presence of Christ. They witness a change. They witness effectiveness. They witness fruitfulness. And they go, you need to do that. She needs to do that. When they do that, Christ is magnified. 
So I ask us this year, let's start using our spiritual gifts. Doug mentioned a minute ago, go home and pray about, do I have a gift to teach or have compassion and to reach out and to touch these kids? And so many can do that if they'll just ask Christ. So God's given us a spiritual gift. How many of you believe that God has given us all gifts in the body of Christ? The Bible says God gives gifts as he determines. We don't get to choose the gifts and go, God, I want that gift. And sometimes we get jealous of other gifts. No place for envy in the body of Christ. But there's a place for the body of Christ to be a tapestry that's beautiful, that's aligned with people operating in their gifts. And I've done a lot of study on this over the years, but there's somewhere between 25, 26, 27 different spiritual gifts. If you're more interested in that, email me, call me. I'll be glad to try to help you walk through that. Number four, this is critical. I talk about this every weekend. Start reading your Bible daily. Some of you do this. I know you do. You tell me. You share highlights of what Christ is teaching you. So many of you right now, you just put your head down. You're like, I'm not looking at you because I read about once a week, twice a week, three times in a good week. I'm convicted. Folks, let it convict you to bring change that we can hide God's word in our heart. Just say, God, starting today, I want to make sure that I spend time not in a devotional book, and they're good, I read them, but God, I'm going to spend time in your pure, unadulterated word of the living Christ that I want to read your word let your word read me. I want to look into your word as into a mirror. Here, stop. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, thank you. <laughs> See, we had no problem this morning. We got up and we ran to the mirror and go, whoa, needs help. And you got help. And when you got out of the car today, let's be honest, how many of you looked in the mirror again? You went, I want to make sure I ain't got nothing in my teeth. I don't want to gross everybody else when I walk in there. And then you came in here and you got donuts and you got donut hanging out of your ear now. Somebody's going to get up and run to the mirror now. Nobody get up, okay? If you do, we're gonna, I'm going to turn around and say, look at them. They're going to get the donut out of their mouth. Okay. Listen to Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God, you've been teaching me for a long time. Every time that I read your book, every time I invest in you, in my time with you, my time on holy pages of Scripture, I have to make a decision. I have to make a decision if I'll change, if I'll let you convict my heart and change me to make me more like Christ. Guys, I've told you for years, mark your Bibles up, circle words, write little notes. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit about the digital age that I highly highly recommend and highly love but so many people don't have their bibles where they're just writing you're saying well i use evernote well bless your heart in jesus name but i'm gonna tell you don i'll tell you i've got a bunch of these you're saying well you're a preacher yeah i've got over 100 bibles i've got a bunch that i've read cover to cover i've got a bunch that i've read and i've marked up and they have comments and i wouldn't trade anything for my bibles i, I just like them sometimes i give them away but Sometimes I just go back and I want to say, God, what were you teaching me there? Begin to mark and read the Word of God. Number five, start waiting on God. Somebody went, you could have said everything that you've said today, but waiting on God? You know what I've learned about the Father? His time is not my time. His time is perfect. My time is not. 
I am impatient. He is full of patience and mercy. His love endures forever. And some of us right now are needing to wait on God for a word from God, for some direction, for some guidance. Nobody likes to wait. I mean, this, uh, this week, did you enjoy waiting in traffic? No. Did you wait, enjoy waiting in carpool lines? Absolutely not. Did you enjoy waiting when you went to Walmart? Well, welcome to Walmart. I always pick on Walmart, but I, I, I got to tell you, they, it's not Chick-fil-A, is it? You know, when I go over to Chick-fil-A, I go over to Chick-fil-A, and there's circles of people around the building, and it's packed. And I start smiling because I know I'm going to get my food still in a really good time. It's going to be really good quality, and it's going to be a fun experience. So yesterday, I went to Chick-fil-A just so I'd have an illustration. And I went to Chick-fil-A, true story, and I, I, I got something. I, I, pastor got some grilled chicken. What was I thinking, okay? Because it was on my app or my freebie of the month. But usually I'm eating something else. Anyway, so I ate it, and it was good. And I got ready to leave, and I looked over, and I saw a guy. And he had been one of my student interns 30-something years ago. And I looked over at him, and he didn't have any hair, and I had a little bit. And he's younger than me, and he had this big smile. And I said, hey, Steve. He goes, Keith. And we, we embraced, and we started talking. Do you know he owns a huge Chick-fil-A in Tallahassee, Florida. And we just sat there and started talking and sharing our life. And, man, it was, it was just great. An old friend, you know, you're saying, man, you go to Chick-fil-A, you run into old friends? Sometimes you do. And sometimes you just see a lot of people that are on mission. They want to eat. Okay, here we go. Waiting means that we give God the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Waiting on God, write this down, waiting on God reminds you and me that God is in control and that God is sovereign. Does anybody believe that in the house today? God's got this. Do y'all remember Jessica? When she had brain tumors three times and major surgeries and Jesus took her home, and that was a line that she would tell me, Pastor, God's got this. I was with her when Jesus took her home, and God had it under control. God's got our lives under control, and sometimes we go, God, I don't know about this, God. I need help. I need some guidance. And Lord, I want to look to you. Listen to what the psalmist said in chapter 130, verses 5 through 6. One translation says, I will wait for Yahweh. I will wait and put my hope in his word. I'll wait for the Lord more than the watch, more than watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. But Lord, I wait on you because you're my help. God, you're my living hope. God, you're my strength. You're my guide. You'll be with me. You'll lead me in the everlasting way. Waiting reminds you and I that we're not in charge. And sometimes I don't like that. Do y'all like to be in charge? You're saying certain things I do. Other things I don't want to be in charge. Other things I do. And waiting just means, Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to change me. I'm waiting on you to change the circumstances. God, I'm waiting for you to have, I'm waiting for divine intervention. This morning, there's somebody probably praying for some divine intervention in your life, in the life of another one. You're saying, God, I'm waiting. And waiting reminds you and I that we're not God, but he is. The scripture says, whom do I have in heaven but you, O Lord? There's no one greater than you. This morning, if you're trying to solve everything out and fix your problems, surrender. Give it up. Jesus, I don't have this. 
I've been asking Jesus so many questions about our church and all the great things and all the challenging things. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know, but you do. And I'm asking him, and let's ask him together. And the church said, amen, and increases our strength, that we'll renew our strength, we'll soar on wings like eagles, we'll run and grow weary, and we won't faint, and we'll walk with him. Lord, strengthen the weak. If you've got weak people in here, then it's a chance for the power of Christ to come through. God is, a, I've told you this over and over, God is attracted to weakness because in our weakness, we might boast in his power that rests upon us. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we're looking to you. Number six, here it is. Start praying more and start praying boldly. You're saying, Pastor, just in Thessalonians several weeks ago when you were going through 2 Thessalonians about the second return of Christ, you talked about prayer. You're back here again. We'll read the Word of God. God's all about prayer, about conversation and dialogue and hearing and talking to Him. And in Ephesians 6.18, listen to God's Word. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Lord, help me and my friends to pray for one another. Help us to pray in the Spirit. Help us to pray the Word. Help us to choose a specific place to pray. You know, I've told you that so many times. Find a place. You, you pray 24-7. You pray everywhere. But then there needs to be those places that we're very focused, concentrated prayer, that we choose a time. We choose a place. And then I've told you this many times. We say, God, I'm going to talk to you out loud. People are going to think you're crazy. That's okay. And when you're alone, it's even better because you can even raise your voice or Lord or whatever. But just talk to the Lord out loud. I, I find when I talk to the Lord out loud, it focuses my prayers from distractions. I find that I tend to take more kingdom authority when I, when I say these prayers out loud. Keep a notepad when you pray. Hey, have you ever been praying and a thought come to you and it's so burning and you forgot what you were praying about? Of course you have. That's a great place to get out your phone. That's a place to get a notepad and just write it down and say, Lord, I'll come back to that. Let me get back to this. But I tell you, the Lord's got some things for us to pray individually. I know he's got some things for us corporately to be seeking. I tell you, guys, I'm believing that God wants to do more with our church, and, we, and it's only going to come through prayer. I don't care if you're a busy homemaker or you're a busy executive or you're a busy student or you're busy something. You're never too busy to pray. Right, church? We've got to pray. And then I ask you to do this, to pray these, these bold, audacious prayers. Because you know why I want you to pray bold prayers? Because I believe that the God of heaven hears your prayers when you pray. Do y'all believe that, church? When I pray, I know with confidence that my God hears. Do you know that he hears? Listen to what the scripture says, James 5, 16. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. After the service today, our elders will be praying over Gideon. They've asked for anointing of oil, and they'll be praying confident, bold prayers for a little man. I ask you to join in that effort. Another one is we pray boldly because the Scripture calls you and I to pray boldly. Psalm 119, 173. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. Lord, your word says I've chosen you. So, Lord, I pray a strong prayer, a fervent prayer. And we pray boldly because we, is we know that he is able beyond what we request. God is, says in his word, he's able to do immeasurably more. Do you believe that today, church? God can. Somebody came up to me a minute ago, right before the service, 
close to this sister in Christ. She says, did y'all pray for me the other night? I said, we did. She says, there was a turnaround the next day. How many want to give praise to God for that? Amen. She didn't go, well, you know, I was kind of wishing, I was hoping. No, man, the house of prayer, people ought to be coming up to you going, students, adults, pray for me. I know when you pray, the Lord hears you. Not that you manipulate, not that you can coerce and strong arm the hand of God, but when you pray, there's results. When you pray, you talk with intimacy, with closeness to Christ, and it affects me. So we pray those bold prayers. Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors, I love him, the pastor there in D.C., he says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. I went, whoa. I think we need to pray some insulting, bold, off-the-chart prayers for our lives, for our families, for our church. God, I need you. I need your power to be manifest in my life and in the life of this church. Lord, we need you to come through. Seven, start trusting God more in tithing. You're like, oh, man, why did you have to put that one in there? Every time you say the T word, I get upset because it costs me. Well, Jesus says, this is what Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Matthew 6, 21. You know what? I, I wrote down here five reasons why people don't tithe. I've actually got 100, but I'm only going to give five. God, I hear this all the time, God will provide through other people and not me, pastor. And I want to go, bull. I don't say anything else, just bull. Malarkey. No. Do you have skin in the game? God wants to provide for you. Turn to the person next to you and says, God wants to provide for you, through you. Turn to him. Tell him that. Okay, next, next week the offering is going to be off the chart. Hallelujah. That is going to be awesome. Here's a counterpoint. God chooses to release his resources through all believers, and I say a big amen. Secondly, well, pastor, my gifts don't really count. Have you ever read the scripture over in Mark about the story of the poor widow? You don't minimize the size of the gift. Amen? God, all gifts matter. All gifts matter to the Father. It's about our heart. But I got to tell you, when we begin to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, they add up, they multiply. God does miracle math. And man, the church, man, there's not all this need and want. It's like, God, you've got to plan the third thing. I only give the projects I like. <laughs> what is, you give me a scripture on that one, okay? I only give the stuff I like. Well, I like you. You don't like me. Okay. Trust your church leadership to manage the dollars, the resources wisely. Amen. Amen. You're saying, man, Pastor, you're kind of passionate about this. Well, I am. I serve and lead a church, and I believe in the church, and the church is the people. Somebody, somebody tell me, he says, Pastor, I love our church. It's a great place. I go, yeah, and you're part of it. The church is the people. It's not the building. There are a lot of buildings and mortar and metal and brick and stone or whatever. But we're the people of God. We're the people of faith, God. And here it is. I will only tithe when I can afford it. Oh, really? You're going to tithe when you can afford it. When will that be? I remember sitting down with a multimillionaire one time. I said, brother, I want to challenge you. He didn't go to church here, sorry. And I said, uh, I, I want to challenge you to tithe. And he looked at me dead serious. He says, Keith, 
do you know how much that would be? I said, well, I don't. And that's between you and the Father. But I tell you what we'll do. I will pray now that he'll take you back to a level that you can be obedient or you can be obedient with what he's giving you. And he stopped calling me. It's okay. Doesn't God honor? I mean, John and I started when we had two nickels. Actually, I started when I was a poor college student. So everybody knows if you're a college student, you ain't got no money. And everybody's like, you got that right. And mom and daddy's ain't got no money because they're supporting the college kids. But I started as a college kid. And over the years, it just continued. So for 39 years, it's been a joy and a discipline to tithe and to give to the Lord. And the Lord honors obedience. Do you believe that, church? Come on, God, it's got almost four decades of experience in this. I remember when the guy came to me, my spiritual mentor, Dr. Andy Harris. I was a Christian two weeks. He goes, you need to start tithing. And I remember asking that. What is that? And he took me to the Word of God, and I looked at it, and I went, this is going to hurt. This is going to cause. He goes, yeah, but there's going to be joy in it. And I started, and I believe it to this day. Amen? And some of you are so faithful, and some of you are faithless. Don't write that on your thing. Just your, you know if you are. And here, here's the other one. I don't get pastor because I'm afraid to. That's pathetic. Step out in faith. You trust Christ for your eternal salvation. You trust Christ for the resources and the leadership, and you trust him for the blessings and realize that, man, i got skin in the game. I can do this. He can be trusted. The tithe is a sign of appreciation and trust of God. And it's not that we give so much, we return that which he has blessed us with. Let's move to the next one. This is important. The next one would simply say, can I get some? A start serving. i got to tell you, I'm so proud of our church in this area of service. So many of you serve. So many in this church serve multiple places and there's still some that aren't convinced to serve and many are coming today that aren't even members but i invite you i implore you to discover your spiritual gifts to find your meaningful places of service to begin to dialogue with the father and say father where would you have me serve in the life of my local church that'd be a great prayer to start praying first samuel 12 24 but be sure to fear the lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart consider what great things he has done for you i'm telling you church Doug and Tiffany, his wife, our children's minister, man, she's doing a great job. We need to be praying for her. And she's got some challenges and she's got victories and she's inviting us as the body of Christ to join us in the effort of discipling and making Christ known to kids. And there are people right now, old and young alike, that need to be doing that. And I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you'll act on conviction. You'll start serving and believing the Lord in John 12, 26, he says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father, this is what Jesus said, my father will honor the one who serves me. How many want to be honored today? I want to be honored. And the Bible says God honors those that serve him. So find that place of service. Be compelled by the love of Christ. Man, it requires exertion. It requires effort. It requires going for it. Matter of fact, I read this article about New Spring, and I loved it, about eight blessings we experience when we serve others. You might write a few down, possibly. Number one, when you serving allows you to discover your spiritual gifts. We've been talking about that. Serving allows you to experience miracles, and I don't know anybody that doesn't want miracles in their life and in their midst. Number three, it, is serve, it, serves, it allows you to have great joy and peace that comes through obedience of serving Christ. 
Serving always helps you and I to be more like Jesus. And really, that's all that God wants us to do is to to be shaped, to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, give us the ability to, to trust You. Serving surrounds us with other Christians that want to make Christ known. It's called the church. Another one is serving increases our faith. If you want your faith to increase, and we're going to talk about great faith starting uh, over the next several weeks, serving increases your faith. Serving allows you to experience the presence of God in new ways. I know in my own personal life, uh, that's where I really experience Christ in a great way besides my time in prayer and worship in the Word is in serving. I worked for Caterpillar, as some of you know, 35 years ago before I became a pastor. And Don and I were very, very active lay people in our church. And we taught ninth grade Sunday school. And we had about 50 active ninth graders, and we loved it. And they were fun and joyful, and man, we saw Christ change their life. And then what Donna first got me serving with her was we, she got me to serve in two or three-year-olds. Now, I got to tell you, Pastor Keith, that, you know, I, I just praise God. Some of you got the gift, you need to be there. Some of you, you don't need to be there, and somebody's going to let you know if you don't need to be there. And, uh, and I did that for a year with her, and I said, baby, I, I got to elevate my game a little bit. You know, I mean, this is awesome, but I don't get it, okay? And, uh, and that's awesome. So some of you, man, there's a, it, so I, I ended up in the youth department, and little did I know I'd become a youth pastor, and I loved teenagers, and it was awesome. And then people would come to me, and they'd go, why do you do this? Do you just love to hurt yourself? Teenagers, y'all are awesome. All you teenagers, give yourself a big round of applause. Yeah, awesome. Don't y'all think y'all are awesome? Turn it, yeah, yeah. You see Charlie, she shook her head and said, man, I'm awesome, baby. Yeah, y'all are awesome. Now, let me just go ahead and tell y'all one thing. Keep your trucks on the driveway off the grass, okay? We're getting these big ruts over here on the way in this morning. That's all I'm going to say. I said it from the platform. You heard me. Keep the trucks on the driveway, okay? All right. Other than that, I think you're awesome, all right? Somebody are like, golly, he just got that in there. Yeah, I felt it this morning. I rode in and a big deal. What is this? We got a, man, that's awesome. There's so many teenagers out here on Wednesday night. You ought to come Wednesday night and bring food, right, Blake? Just bring food to Blake on Wednesday night and his teenagers. They'll eat it. And it's amazing what God's doing in their culture and their experience in Christ. So we make all kinds of excuses. God, I don't want to serve you. Number nine, here it is, here it is, quick. Start inviting. You know, that's one of our core values, invite. I just encourage you uh, push you, stir you to begin to invite others. You know, we'll have like uh, invite cards sometimes out on the information center. Pick those up, get them out. We'll have tailgate Sundays, sport days, Compassion International Sundays. We do different things. Just invite people to special services. Just invite them. In this room, we have neighborhood meetings. We have two neighborhoods across the street that use this for their neighborhood communication. We just want to be a blessing. We want to open up. Over the years, we, we've gone out and given breakfast and bagels to school teachers just as a, a witness for Christ. I remember when I started showing up with the staff. Matter of fact, as I was thinking about this, I thought, maybe we've got to do this again. It's just fun showing up at schools with food for free for teachers and principals. See, when you walk in with a bag of food, I've never been, you, you can't come in here with that stuff right there. They say, come on in, man. You want some coffee? I go, no, I don't drink coffee, but here, I want to give you some food. You got a Mountain Dew? Okay, and we just have a great time. And just saying, and there's just things we could do. And then I got, I got this idea from this church in uh, Kentucky, and I've been, I've been processing. I'm going to talk to the elders about it and the leadership, but I'll go ahead and give you all a little touch on it. 
um, I was thinking, maybe we ought to do a Jesus prom around here. A Jesus prom. For kids and adults that are maybe mentally handicapped and having a hard time. I was talking, my, my friend over here in the cleaners, he talked about they had prom dresses. People donate prom dresses. I think, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we created an event over this next year and we had a Jesus prom for special needs people and we just loved them with the love of Jesus? Would that be cool? Some of you are like, I'm scared. Oh, we'll put you in the kitchen. You can cook, okay? I'm just, I'm just thinking, man, God, there's no end to the possibilities of what you might do in a church that deeply is committed to you. So, Lord, help us to focus on you. Number 10, here it is. Real quick, everybody wants this. Start being a better friend. Just be a better friend. You're saying, Pastor, I'm a lousy friend. I know your friends have already called me. They, they told me you're horrible. And some of you are great friends. And listen to what Scripture says, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, so one woman sharpens another. So Lord, help us. Here, here's a great way to be a good friend. Be willing to take the initiative and listen to them. Be willing to take the initiative and reach out to them. Another thing. Be honest. As you develop, as, as you develop, <laughs> awesome. As, as you develop honesty, now, I don't want you to go up there and the, the first week and go, man, your breath stinks, you know, and you're like, you need to go make some toothpaste now. I mean, that's probably not going to win you any friends. But I mean, your friends have little uh, quirks. Uh, does anybody have a quirk besides me? A quirk, some idiosyncrasy, some, some weird little thing you do. Anybody do weird stuff? Everybody's like, yeah, man, I'm doing all this weird stuff all the time. Well, maybe your friends will be honest with you because they want to help you. But be honest. And then the other one, be prayerful. That's, that's a great way to be a good friend. Just be prayerful. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying as you carry your load. The Bible says we should carry one another's burdens. We should shoulder those. You know, I love, I, I, I'm blessed. I have a lot of friends. And then I have a closer circle of friends. And, uh, some of these friends are in Montgomery and some are all around the country. And they hold me up all the time in deep, passionate prayer. And I'm grateful for that. So do you have friends like that? Have fun with your friends. Be patient with your friends. Ecclesiastes, I'll end with this. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And if either of them falls down, one will help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I pray that we'd be a church that would begin to start some of the things that I've talked about today. And we would be richer in our friendships, one with the other, and the ones outside the walls of this church. That they might know the living Christ. Let's pray. Father, it is just great to be here on a Sunday morning and to uh, hear your word and to sing songs of worship and, and to pray. And God, we need you today more than we need that next breath of air. And Lord, I pray that you would come and move and convict and change our hearts and our lives and our relationships. Help us, Lord, to maybe identify something that I've spoken on today and that, Lord, you begin to shape and start and transform and, and make that an axiom in our life that the old behavior would stop and this new behavior would begin starting today. God, give us the courage 
Give us the power and give us the, the grace to do that, to start change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come and move in this place. Draw people to Jesus, even right now, Lord. Convict hearts that they need a Savior. Tell them to grab Blake and say, Blake, I want to know more. I, I, I want to have this Christ he's talking about. Grab one of our elders today. Ask somebody next to you, say, can you tell me more about this Jesus? Lord, we want to know you. We want to represent you well. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful Sunday morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, God's kids said, amen. Hey, man, y'all have an incredible